Hallelujah. It's a good day in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you know that sometimes there is a call to action in our lives as Christians? If you look at the army of Israel and the many victories they had, they would pray and they'd intercede and they'd hear the voice of the prophet, but then they'd take action, wouldn't they? And But sometimes when we're dealing with this election issue, how many of you felt a little frustrated at times? I don't really know what to do other than pray and intercede. You know, sometimes you need steps to take. So that's what I want to give you today. And I entitled this An Urgent Call to Action. And there's handouts on your seats. If you're watching online with us across the nation, I'm going to put these same slides up today as we go through this quickly. And I want to give Pastor plenty of time. But there's some things that have come up that we need to address. How many of you know that January 6th is a very special day next Wednesday? That's the day that a joint session of Congress, both the House and the Senate, come together and the electoral votes from the different states are then presented at that point in time and President, excuse me, Vice President Mike Pence will be the presiding officer during that time and if there's any objection to those states' electoral votes. We need both a senator and a member of the House to object. They cannot hear the objection if it's only presented by either the House or the Senate. We need both. So that's why this is very critical. It's a very important day. In fact, uh, I believe, you know, normally that's a ceremonial event. Most people don't even pay much attention to it. But this year we're gonna have fireworks. So I would suggest get a big bag of popcorn and plan to watch because you're going to see some fireworks. Now, some of you might say, well, what do you mean? Is there, how many of you believe there was some fraud and some voter, right? Okay, so we don't really have to talk about that. But across the nation, I, my second slide there, if you have any doubt and you want to do some research, you can go to www.kraken.com wood.com and there'll be 271 pages of evidence that attorney Sidney Powell has put together that you can read. Now you might get sleepy and fall asleep reading that many pages, but it's there. So if you have any doubt about the fraud, look at that. And that's what's discouraging is why aren't these senators, these house members looking at this? This is, this is beyond Donald Trump. It's beyond that. It's the, it's the, thing that our nation is standing on, free elections without fraud so that we can have representation going forward. And if this is allowed, if we lay, lay down, it's never going to be the same in this nation. So it's, it's key. Now, thank God there is some good news. Before I get to the bad news about Nebraska and our senator, who I'm going to call out today, I want to talk about 12 patriots. These are senators. We have many House members. There's like 120, and Pastor Hank told me he thinks it's closer to 160 now, House members that are saying they are not going to accept the results from these electoral uh, college votes. So that's good news. But we have 12 patriotic senators, and I want to just especially say Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, we back you. You are the one that stood up first and said, we're not going to let this go. We're not going to just back down. So we applaud you, Senator Hawley, for that. But now the good news is, at the latest count, now Friday that we only had three, now we have 12. I believe this is going to build. And what we want to do across the nation is call our senators and our congressmen, our House members, and make sure that they take a stand on this. But I've listed there the 12 senators. Um, Ted Cruz, we're proud of you, and, and we can go on from, from the rest of them there. And then, like I said, 120 Republicans that I know of, and, and it's growing, and I couldn't put that list out for you today. But it, whatever state you're at, I'm going to give you information so you can look that up and see where your senator, where your representative stands, and you can make a phone call to them. Now, let's go to the bad news. Let's talk about Nebraska. I'm embarrassed that we have a senator that we just reelected for six years by the name of Ben Sass that is coming out against this. In fact, the slide that you see up there, he slammed Republicans that planned to delay the certification of Joe Biden's win. He not only said he wasn't going to agree with that, but he slammed the other Republicans. And we are not going to accept that. 
He's refusing to object to the Electoral College votes. And if you read the lengthy letter he put out to the constituents of Nebraska, his excuses were pretty lame. In fact, I want to read you. Well, first of all, this came out from KETV in Omaha on December 31st. A quote says, Senator Ben Sass, absolutely not any basis for dismissing the Electoral College votes. Now I want to read a, a short quote out of his 1230 2020 letter. It says, we have a good reason to think that this year's election was fair, secure, and law-abiding. That's not to say it was flawless, but there's no evidentiary basis for distrusting our elections altogether or for concluding that the results do not reflect the ballots that our fellow citizens actually cast. And that statement angers me to the point that I will not stand for his reelection again. After, you know, when next time, time he comes up, we're gonna, we, we need a new senator for Nebraska. This is a conservative state, Nebraska. We're not gonna put up with this kind of thing. We don't need this rhino attitude from him. Recall, that's probably the way to go. That's probably what we need to do. My next slide, it really is entitled Patriots or Traitors. Because really, if you stand and allow this to happen, that's treason. Now that's blunt, but that's what it is. So any member of Congress on January 6th that votes for the Biden slate of fraudulent electors becomes complicit in the election fraud. They're standing with the fraud, in other words, and we're not going to put up with that. These members of Congress are allowing the voters of all these other states to become disenfranchised, and it means our votes really don't make any difference if they allow all these other fraudulent ones to take place. Why did we even vote then? And this can't go forth this way. So here's the call to action. Next slide. For if you're a Nebraska resident, I put up here Senator Sass's phone number or email his office. I called him last Thursday or Friday, I think it was, left a, a lengthy message for him. I'm going to email him also. And by the way, I called Senator Josh Hawley's phone in Missouri, even though I'm not a Missourian. I called and let him know we, we are proud of him. And you can do the same thing. And if you're across America today, this is a call to action for everyone watching. Contact your senators. Contact your representatives. Find out how they stand and either support them or tell them to stand up, have some spine, and take action on this because January 6th is a very important day in our nation. Now, on our website, hankandbrenda.org, hankandbrenda.org, you can click on there. This full presentation will be on there. There's also a link on there that you can look up your representatives. If you don't know who your representatives are, Put in your state, it'll go right to it. It'll tell you every representative and your senators will be listed there. So it's easy for you today to find that information. And it makes a difference. You think, oh, my little phone call doesn't matter, but it does matter. It makes a difference. If we all stand up and do this, we can have success on this. You know, and here's the thing. Even if this doesn't go 100% our way on January 6th, here's what this does. This draws a line in the sand because we're going to know after that vote who is standing with the republic and who's standing against it. At that point, President Trump can make his moves. So it isn't over on the 6th, but we have to take a stand on the 6th and then watch where it goes from there. And before Pastor, and Pastor, you can come if you want to now, but I just wanted to mention one more thing that I thought was interesting. Some of you may have heard of Patrick Byrne. He is the former CEO of Overstock.com. And... From what I understand, if I got this right, I don't even know if he was formerly a Trump supporter. That He wasn't. So here's the thing. He has seen the fraud in this, and he's seen this, and he wants to protect and save our republic. So he's put money into it, and he's got followers that he's asking to make these calls. But I thought this was good. He said this to his followers on Twitter yesterday. He said, from inside the belly of the beast, I promise you, you're all making a difference. By standing up as you are, your politicians are now understanding that you will not bend a knee to a rigged election. 
and yet they're starting to find strength in their commitment to continue contacting them. So that's another encouragement. Do that this week for us, and let's see victory. Praise God. Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Doug. Let's give Pastor Doug a hand clap. He did a great job. Thank you. Is, um, is Facebook still on? Both, both of them? Wow. No technical difficulties this week. So if it should go down, you can go to hankandbrenda.org. But I just want to say this, Senator Sass, you represent the state of confusion. You don't represent me. And you don't represent almost 80 million who know the truth. One thing we have to remember, I will not support those who don't have any natural discernment and those also who call themselves Christians who have no spiritual discernment to know what is going on. We cannot hand our republic into the hands of those who are trying to steal, bring a socialistic, communistic spirit upon our nation and a party that on purpose call themselves the party that pushed God out, murders babies. I'm very disappointed in you, Senator Sass. You do not represent me in the majority of this state. It's a sad day when our elected officials have quirks with the personality of the president but ignore the policies and what has been accomplished and the bigger principle of what is at stake. So that's all I'll say on that. All right, good news. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 27. We're going to talk today about can anything good come out of 2020 or can anything good come out of this year? And uh, I want to share a couple things that I feel like will be helpful with you in just a little bit of time that we have here today. And uh, I really want to give you hope. I really want you to uh, be in a place of expectancy. But I want you to look at Psalm 27. We're going to read it out of the New American Standard. And this is David that was crying out in the book of Psalms. And he almost reached a place of giving up. He had almost reached a place where he didn't feel like he had any hope. But then something begins to happen in David, and here's what he says in Psalm 27, beginning in verse 13. I would have despaired. I would have given up. I would have lost hope. And you know what that means? In other words, he said, I would have made a decisive decision to believe over the temptation not to believe. But watch this. I would have despaired unless, 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 Unless I had believed. Now watch, there's three words. That, here's the three words. I would see the goodness of the Lord. He said, I would have given up, would have lost hope, unless I had believed that I would see. That's the three words. In other words, I have an expectation. I have a hope. I also know God's character. Therefore, I will see. At the beginning of 2020, God gave many of his vessels the prophetic statement or phrase, 2020, the year of double vision or perfect vision. And throughout 2020, many would say, I don't see anything. I don't see how that word's coming to pass. I don't see anything good really happening. Sometimes when you're going through a trial, how many of you ever been through a trial in your life? How many have ever been through a storm? Sometimes when you're going through a trial or you're going through a storm, it's, it's often difficult to really see what's going on. But have you ever had it after the trial or after the storm? Oh, so that's what that was about. Part of 2021, W-O-N, notice it's 2020. We're going to see that 2020 actually won. 
you're going to see certain things that was harsh that you dealt with in 2020, you will see 2021. You'll see that 2021. You'll see it manifest. You'll see the victory this year. You didn't see it last year, but you're going to see it this year. You didn't understand it while you were going through it in 2020, but part of 2021 is 2020 wins. It's not going to be a forsaken loss. I couldn't wait to get out of it year. You're going to see hindsight what God has been doing all along in your life, your family, your marriage, come on, your finances, but even this great nation, the United States. And so David said, look, I would have given up. I would have lost hope unless three words I would see. And notice what he said that he would see. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of the greatest things that I think grieves the heart of God is I've spent over, well, I've got saved in 1984, and I've come very close to God now, is I think one of the things that grieves his heart is too many people don't understand who he is. They don't understand he's a good God. They don't understand that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They don't understand when Psalm 29 says that he has a hope and a future for you, not to harm you, but yet people think that God's out to get them. They think that God, you know, is harsh and, 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 and God is one who, you know, is just going to hand us over to fraud and to different things. They don't understand that God is a good God. In fact, there was a day where Moses cried out to God and God was introducing himself in Exodus 33, verse 18, if you're taking notes. And Moses cried out and he said, God, I beg you, please show me your glory. Do you know the first thing that God said about himself? Now think about it. If you're getting ready to meet that special person in your life, maybe you're on a hot date, you know, you're going to put your best foot forward. You're going to go meet somebody or maybe you've got a job interview. You're going to put your best foot forward. So here a man, Moses, is crying out, God, I beg you, show me your glory. And the first thing that God says out of his mouth to define who he is, he said, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. Of all the things that he could say, why did he start with his goodness? Because that's who God is. And so, yeah. But notice David would have despaired, and some of you, you've given up. Listen, there's preachers all over America that are giving up right now, and God is, is taking note on who's standing with him and who's conceding. David said, I would have given up unless I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So notice the three words, I would see. What are the three words that are going to define your year? You're going to see. What are you going to see? You're going to see that God's good to you. You're going to see that God was even good to you in 2020, and now you're going to celebrate the victory of it. But notice in verse 14, what is it that God is trying to get us to understand in this time? You know, we had an election on November 3rd. What, what is God's message to us? Notice what David said. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. This is where a lot of folks, they get very impatient with God. They don't know how to wait on him. We expect things right now, and that's fine. We're people of faith, but here's the deal. God loves to take his time. And he doesn't care if it bothers you. He did it at the tomb of Lazarus when it was stinking. The situation was stinking. It was his best friend. He made him wait two more days. Why? So that the glory of God would be revealed, so God would get the glory. So notice what David said. He said, look, I've got to be in a place where I wait for the Lord. And then notice this. This isn't a time to concede. It's not a time to give up. He said, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Come on. That's why we got to call the senators. And wait for the Lord. Now, I want you to see this because there's some that are saying, well, man, maybe, you know, this whole year, you know, can anything good come out of it? Maybe that's your position because you're still looking at the storm or you're looking at the disappointments of of the last year, and, and it still seems like it's trailed you and tracked you in 2021. In John chapter 1, verse 46, actually we'll start with verse 45, I want to read a story to you, and I want to read a statement that I feel like is where some people are at. So we read in verse 45 of John 1 that Philip finds Nathanael, and he says unto him, We found Jesus, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and Nathaniel said this, and this is what some people are saying right now. Can anything good 
come out of this election? Can anything good come out of the current events? Can anything good come out of 2020? Can anything good come out of my marriage? Can anything good come out of my finances? Can anything good come out of, come on, what is it? You know what it is. And so this was the position of Nathaniel. Can anything good come? But watch the three words that show up. Philip says unto him three words, come and see. Just when you think like David, there's no hope, you will see. Just when Nathaniel had the same hopelessness because he had been listening to the rumors of the land, Nazareth is not a good place. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And he got caught up in the fake news because there was something of truth. There was something that was great that came out of Nazareth. Jesus. And so come and see three words. Come and see. And here's what God's saying to all of us prophetically. Just hold on. You're going to see, just like David, that my goodness is passing over this nation. You're going to see. Come, come. I invite you to 2021. I invite you to the year of victory, is what God is saying to us. And so uh, I love that. Can anything good come? And the answer is come and see now. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14. Back in August of 2019, God began to prophesy. And I'll never forget it. I was going on an airplane to meet with Brother Copeland for two days of private prayer with him. And at the time, my good friend Bishop Harry Jackson, who's now in heaven, was with us. And Matthew, of course, came with us. And uh, we were going to come and just present what God was saying to us about the new decade and about, you know, the year 2020. And God began to speak to this vessel, and he said, Hank, tell the people, tell Brother Copeland this, that it's not just a new decade that we're, we're entering into. Now, if you all remember the prophecy from 2015 from this platform, God said when you see a former president, when he dies, and the day that he dies, paraphrasing it, there'll be an earthquake on that same day. And when you see these two signs, earthquake and the passing of a former president on the same day, God said October of 2015 that you would be entering into a what? A new era. So new era needs, needs new places, new, new faces. It, it's not about the old. That's why this nation's not going backwards. It's about the new. And so God began to define that this year, the last one we just came out of, 2020, would not define how the rest of the decade would be. He called it the decade of difference. How many remember that? He said it would start off harsh, and then it would come into something. And I want to read to you what, what he said in September of 2019. So this was a prophecy from September of 2019. In fact, it was, let me just look at it here if I can find it. And he began to prophesy about this year. It was, um, it was September 5th, 2019. God says, you've, just, you've not just entered into 2020, but you will enter into a decade that should be known as the decade of difference. What do I mean? The Spirit of God says, do you remember where I declared in my word that I will put a difference? And there should be light in Goshen, but it will also be dark in Egypt. And there will be plagues. Did you hear what he was talking about? Plagues. But he said, what you shall enter into in this new decade will start off harsh. This was 2019. Did it start off harsh? Yes, it did. Right around February of last year, man, it, it never let up. But it shall come to a place known as rest. And it shall be different. This is why God wants you to come and see. This is why we will see the goodness of God. Now, here's what you have to understand. When God began to open up the Red Sea, it was the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. It was God there, and, and I don't have time to tell you what that was. That was the, that was the uh, burning um, uh, furnace of, of God, but it was also, it was the Father and Jesus walking together yes. through the Red Sea. It really is what it was. It was a type and shadow of that. And you can go back to study Abraham when uh, they cut covenant and they cut the two halves inside, which is what the Red Sea, why it was divided in half. There was uh, one side here to the right, one side to the left, because you got to go back to Genesis, and you got to remember where God cut covenant with Abraham with the two sides, and watch this, the walk of a red sea of blood. Do you understand that? And there was a fire and a light that showed up, which is what the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, it was God walking and entering into covenant with man, with Abraham. So there's a lot there, but here's, here's the point. 
The point is, God's goodness began to pass by Israel. What does God's goodness do? It preserves, it protects, it celebrates. But it's also a judgment that comes to those that are not on the right side of the cloud. So what are we going to see in 2020? On one side, we're going to see God's preservation, God's protection, God's goodness. But we're going to see some harsh things come to those who have purposely shaken their fist at God and have purposely been aligning themselves with evil and iniquity. And they will be brought to justice and righteousness. Are you hearing me? So God began to declare that this decade that we were entering into would be known as the decade of difference. I mean, you get that. And he said there would be a prophetic narrative or a prophetic example. That's why Jesus, when he was talking to the people in Luke 17, he said, it'll be as in the days of Noah. How many know that's a prophetic example? He was saying the current day as he was speaking to them or the future would be like the days of Noah. God told us in August of 2019, September of 2019, that this prophetic narrative we're coming into would be like Israel and Egypt. Now, you might say, and those of you that are watching around the world, how can that be? First and foremost, we went through plagues. How many know that they went through plagues? There was also a quarantine. They were not allowed to go outside of their home. You remember that? And they put the blood upon the doorpost. We went through a quarantine. We went through a shut-in, Exodus 14. Pharaoh says, wow, we, uh, we have shut them in with the wilderness. There was a pursuit from the, the left. Uh, which was Pharaoh and his army. We see from the left something that's trying to overtake a nation. There was a nation in a standstill. Israel was on the shore of the Red Sea. We've been in a standstill. There was also great fear that began to hit the hearts of the people in the nation. Great fear hit today. Great fear hit then. And there was a conceding. The people said, we want to go back to Egypt. They were willing to give up all the progress that God had just brought. Some people think that God put the man that is currently seated and will be seated in, in these four years that somehow we messed up, God changed his mind, and now we're going backwards. No, that sounds a lot like the narrative that was with Israel. There was a deliverer raised up, and they didn't like the deliverer. They didn't always agree with the personality and the policy of the deliverer, and they rejected my God. Make Israel great again. Today, they rejected the deliverer. They rejected the messenger. Make America great again. And so God is playing out these narratives. And he's trying to get us to understand that something is getting ready to happen. Look at Exodus 14, verse 13. Again, Moses, look at the three words that appear. Remember, David at the beginning said, "Come, you will see. Notice what Philip said, come and see. There's something that we're going to see that has to do with the miraculous intervention of God. Here's what has bothered me with Christians and preachers, why they're so quick to concede and give up, is where is your faith? Number two, it says something about your relationship with God and how, how much you've been before the Lord. Because God is saying something very, very firm right now. And this is what has bothered God and really it bothers this servant where we talk about all the pathways for victory and all the different options that are out there. And I understand it. That is a natural process. But how many people really talk about the uh, supernatural intervention of God? We discount God in all of this. I'm watching people being so afraid, absolutely giving up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know who you serve? Do you really understand? Yeah. So look at Exodus 14, verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. That's the first thing. Stand firm. Don't concede. Notice the three words. You will see. What are we going to see? God's goodness. And how is God's goodness going to manifest? You're going to see deliverance come to the Lord. And notice he said today. In other words, there's an immediate, sudden intervention of God that shifts everything. And the Egyptians, the pursuing enemy of the left and their socialistic communist agenda, which is what Egypt was, the people were in bondage, right? They were not in freedom. They were under a communist, communist dictator, Pharaoh, and yet they wanted to go back to that. Senator from Nebraska, is that really what you want? I don't know what you did before you got elected, but maybe you need to go back to it because you sure don't represent me.
Look at verse 31. Look at the three words that appear again. Exodus 14, verse 31. And because people say, well, how is all this going to end if this is the narrative? Well, here's how it's going to end. You've got to read the last verse of the chapter of the prophetic narrative. Notice the first three words you see. And Israel saw. Okay, we started off. I would have despaired. I would have given up. Until what? I will see. What are you going to see? The goodness of the Lord. Nathaniel, can anything good happen? Come and see. Moses' instruction was, you will see. Deliverance is part of God's goodness. But you've got to stand firm. How many hearing me? And so Israel saw. That's three words. Now watch this. What did they see? Notice it says they saw that great work. It didn't say the great work. It said that great work. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Hank, what is the difference between the great work and that great work? You've got to understand, this is what God's been saying all along. He's not subject to our time. Now, he often will use calendar dates. How many know God has spoken very, like he told me, the very uh, uh, hour that uh, my second son would be born. He said he would be born at 1130 a.m. Uh, we told the doctor, thank God we did, because right at 1130 a.m., Brenda says, hey, Doc, I felt something. He lifts up the sheet, and there's John hanging off the table by his umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So God was protecting him. So God is about dates and times. But there are times on the bigger scale where God is about events, where he looks specifically at certain things that he has planned that is not just about a one-time calendar date. It's about an era. It's about a decade. Are you listening? And so what he is preparing and why he is coming and he's been waiting is because at the right moment when he does come, we're going to see that great work. In other words, something specifically that God has planned that nobody will be able to stop. Now, what's amazing about this is remember 2 Chronicles 20.20 was our verse last year. Believe the Lord and you will what? Be established. Believe his prophets and you'll what? Prosper. Now, how does the narrative end? We're going to see a great work. Our eyes are going to see something. That's the 2021. 2020 fulfillment won. We actually did win. Our nation did win. He did win. He did win, Facebook. He did win. Okay, are you listening? And so God is saying, notice what happens now. They saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord, or they believed the Lord. Because that's what it says. They feared the Lord and believed the Lord. Sounds like 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And notice they believed his servant Moses, the prophets. And so this is how this is going to play out. Now, here's the thing. Look at Luke chapter 21. I've got to go quickly because I want to show you something that God is looking for this year. In Luke 21, you have a choice. In verse 26, Jesus says something. And this is why some people cannot see. It's why they refuse to see. Because when you do what Jesus said, he said, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Why? When they look at the things that are coming on the earth, when you're looking at, you can't see. When you're looking at, you're going to get the earth's perspective. When you're looking at the television screen watching the news, you're going to get fake news. When you look at all that's happening, you won't see the truth. So Jesus said, the reason why men's hearts are failing for fear is it because it's connected to what you're looking at. So if you've been in fear, if you've been in anxiety, look at the source of what is getting your eyeballs and your attention. And it'll reveal why you have anxiety. Okay? But notice what he said in verse 28. And this is something we always have to understand. It's not about looking at, it's about looking up. Jesus said, when you see this stuff on the earth, come to pass, look up. In other words, keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes lifted to what God is saying and what he's doing. And notice he said, your redemption draws nigh. Now, this is so important. This is where I get very upset at prophets who prophesy today. And anybody now can be a prophet and they can just get on the internet and have a show and everybody, you know, tunes into this guy who had goofball dreams Okay, 
like, where, where was the food shortage of November and December? In fact, somebody wrote my ministry and said, well, I, I'm struggling because I told all the people about the December to remember prophecy, and, and they think now that this guy's a heretic and you're false. Let me ask you a question. I was talking to Pastor Gene Bailey, which, by the way, we're going to have a live flashpoint with Lance Walnow, uh, Mario Murillo, by uh, online Wednesday night live. See, we're live audience. Come. We're going to connect with uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland's church, Eagle Mountain Church. They're going to connect with us. We're going to connect with them, and we're going to do a live flashpoint Wednesday night, and then I'll be back on Thursday night with the four of us, Pastor Gene Bailey, Mario Murillo, Lance Walnow, and our ministry. Uh, so it'll be two nights in a row. But I asked him a question. I said, so was December, what was December? He goes, December was a December to remember. I've never seen anything like it. How many would agree? But here's what people don't realize is what happened in December, you may not heard about it, you may not know about it, but you're going to see it play out probably this week. Are, are you listening? I remember years ago I gave a prophetic uh, word about, uh, uh, about a president and about his, his life being in danger this particular president, and it was very detailed, and it was very specific. Well, to the eyes of the people that heard the prophecy, it didn't look like anything happened until some people contacted me in, in their government and said, um, Hank, I want you to be encouraged. The word that you shared was so detailed, it was scary, but we wanted to let you know that it came to pass, but we chose not to release it to the media because we didn't want to bring that nation into an uproar. But yet they were calling the vessel that prophesied it in great detail false. Just because you don't see something or know all the facts doesn't mean that it hasn't happened or it isn't true. Are you listening? So the thing that you have to remember is, look at verse 28. Here's what you have to always remember. If there is ever prophetic words of encouragement, if there's words of warning, it should always have a specific element attached to it. You know what it is? As long as God's Spirit is in the earth, He will always extend His goodness to mankind. It's when the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, is removed that you see the wrath of God come. That's why it hasn't changed. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men was the announcement of the injection of Jesus in the earth. Okay? God's intent is to do good to man. Doesn't mean He doesn't judge, but His goodness, His redemptive plan was Jesus. Now here's what a redemptive plan is. No matter what the prophecy is, God always has a plan of help and a plan of hope. If he gives a warning, he'll give you a plan of help and a plan of hope to get out of it or to change the hand of warning. I feel like I'm so dry this morning. Am I just dry? I feel like I'm just dry up here. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just I need to go and go to bed. But I want you to see something. Look at Psalm 21 because this is so important. Look at verses 1 through 2. So God always has a redemptive plan. Part of what you're going to see this year is you're going to see Notice what it says. The king rejoices in your strength, O Lord. He shouts with joy because you give him victory. I believe that king is saying it, and the king 45 is going to say the same thing. For you have given him his heart's desire, and you withheld nothing he requested. If you keep reading, it says you welcome him back with peace and prosperity. So that will play out too. Now here, here's the thing I want to mention to you. I want to talk to you for a moment about rehearsing your victories uh, in just the remaining moments that we have. You say, well, Pastor Hank, what do you mean by rehearsing your victories? Not only is 2021 a time of victory, but there's also a test in 2021. Can I tell you what the test is? 2021 is about the tongue. 2021 is about the tongue. 2020 was about the mouth, and they tried to mask us, keep us quiet, shut us in. Now's the time to speak. That's why you don't let them shut you down. Okay, everything else can be open. It's amazing how uh, they're putting restrictions on churches, but yet why can 200 people all be packed in an airplane together without six feet of social distancing? And it works when you're in the air. It works at Home Depot, but not in a church. It works great at Walmart, but not in a church. I mean, come on, are we, are we really understanding a pandemic? So here, here's the point of this. When you, you understand that 2021 is about the tongue. Now, how many remember Judges 7, where there was the uh, testing at the waters? You remember that? 
And the testing of the waters, there was 32,000 that were part of these mighty warriors. And 22,000, when it came to testing, left because of what a lot of people are that's caused them to concede, and they gave in to fear. And so they couldn't be chosen as the ones that the Lord would use to deliver the nation. Yes or no? God can't count on them. That's why some preachers that may have had a certain influence in the prior era, you aren't going to now because you didn't stand on the Lord's side. So think about this for a moment. So in Judges 7, 22,000 left, 10,000 remained, and God still tested them. And it came down to the testing of the tongue, how you would use your tongue, right? Because he said, whoever laps with their tongue like a dog who brings what? The water up into their tongue, and they lap it are the ones that I've chosen, and 9,700 people were disqualified because of their tongue. What you speak, what you see and then talk about will determine if you're qualified or disqualified in this year to see the victory in its maximum potential. So it's a test of our tongue. Are we going to speak right? But here's the other test. Do you pray in tongues? Come on, Pentecostals. When's the last time you prayed in tongues? You know, there's churches that'll tell you, oh, we don't pray in tongues. We're afraid to, we're, we're going to scare people. Really? I'm more scared of what's outside of the church than I am inside the church. So are you going to use your tongue right? And are you going to pray in tongues? But I want you to look at Psalm 34 as we end this, if they could come up to the piano. I want to just show you as I, as I was going to make this a two-parter, but I'm just going to kind of go quick. And I apologize if I'm a little dry today. But in Psalm 34, David says something that has to do with the tongue, which is our position on what, where we need to be this year. Notice what he says. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will what? Continually be in where? My mouth. So the thing we got to keep doing, no matter the situation, is keep our mouth right. Now, you say, well, what is so significant about Psalm 34? Psalm 34 was the psalm that David wrote when he was running for his life because King Saul was chasing him. How many remember that? But I want you to go back to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to take just a quick journey through the book of... Uh, oh, you're already there. Thank you. Through the book of Samuel because I want to see you how, why it's so important to rehearse your victories because the enemy wants you to think that 2020 was no good, nothing good ever happened, there was no victories, but I think we've got to look closely. And we got to start saying, you know what, God, you were good to me. You were very good to me. And those are the things that I'm going to rehearse so that I can begin to position myself for 2021. Now, in 1 Samuel 17, and I'll just kind of read it. They can put up the scriptures as it goes. But David and the, the army of Israel were pitched in the valley of Elah. Notice E-L-A-A. Against the Philistines. It's very important that you understand it was E-L-A-A. -A. That was the location of battle. And so for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath is absolutely hammering a nation, bringing them into fear, just like we've seen with the media. And so King David goes before King Saul. He was just little David, the shepherd boy. And immediately Saul puts on David his armor. And David says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, I, can't, I can't use this armor. It doesn't fit. So David immediately begins to do something that God is waiting for us to do, which qualifies you for victory this year and qualified him to take out Goliath. He rehearsed his victory. The first thing he said to him, he said, look, look, king, no offense, but I can't wear this. And the king says, well, how are you going to take out that giant? Well, listen, I took out a lion and a bear. What was the lion and bear? Rehearse victories. So then it's now time to go out and take out Goliath. What does David do? You know what he does? He goes and finds five smooth stones. Why? Because those five smooth stones reminded him of previous victories when he could sling those rocks and take things out. So they were another example of he's getting ready to face the biggest giant of his life. And what does he do? He stays with the testimony of what he knows works. 
Stay with the Word. Stay with prayer. Stay with a good church. Come on. Rehearse your victories. So then he goes to battle in 1 Samuel 17, and guess what he does? He cuts the head of Goliath off after he knocks him down with a small stone. And guess what David does? He chops Goliath's head off, and he holds it up in his, 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 his arm. Brent, I would love to have had Goliath's head. That would have been cool. And so I would have put it up on our fireplace mantle and all that. But why did David, he did two things. He takes the sword of Goliath, and he takes his head. Why? Come on. So it could be a reminder of what? Of a victory. So he takes the head, he takes the sword, so it can always remind him that he took out the greatest giant in the nation. So something begins to happen. David gets elevated. The song in the land in 1 Samuel 18 is Saul killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousands. Saul is so mad. Now David is writing Psalm 34 saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. And Saul becomes angry. Now you're in 1 Samuel 19. And he's really, really, really angry at David. He wants to kill him. So David runs to a town called Gath. Now why does he start running towards a town called Gath? That's the place where Goliath was from. But something begins to happen. Before he gets to the place of the Philistine where he was from in Gath, he stops in in 1 Samuel chapter 21. So now you went from 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath, 1 Samuel 18, the people are praising David, Saul is mad, chasing him. Now you're in 1 Samuel 19, Saul is killing him, or trying to kill him, going after him. Now in 1 Samuel 21, look at verse 1. David comes to a place called Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at meeting David. Now, why did he go to the place of Nob first? Because in the Hebrew, it means the place of hearing God, the place of fruit. If you want to hear God this year, come on, how many got something you're trying to hear God from? Don't focus on past failures, challenges, struggles. Rehearse your victories. Because it will position you for a spiritual Nob where you will come, it also means the place of rest. You'll come into rest, and you'll begin to hear the voice of God. Now watch what happens. David, when he's in Nob, look at verse 9. He asks him for something. Why was he running from Saul? Because he forgot about rehearsing victories. Until he gets to the place where he could be in a spiritual anointing to hear God, all he was doing was running scared, running in his flesh. Or you could say, walking in the flesh. But something happens. And he goes to the priest and he says, I want the sword of Goliath the Philistine. In other words, what did, why did he give it up in the first place, David? But the fact that he didn't have it with him shows you why he was running in fear or given over to fear. How many got this? Why the sword of Goliath? Look at verse 11. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul's killed thousands and David is ten thousands? In other words, what he wanted the sword for because he wanted to get himself back in a position of faith and victory and start rehearsing it again because he, was, he, he had, he had a, a assault on his life. So let's go to 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. But something began to happen. David, now he's got the sword, arose and fled that day for the fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. So now he's in the place that he took out Goliath. He's got Goliath's sword, and he's so afraid. David, what's wrong with you? Why are you afraid? You have the very sword from the very giant that you killed, and you went to the very place that you killed him, and you are still forgetting to rehearse your victory. So David, look at verse 13, does what people do when they forget to rehearse their victories or look at things in the right perspective. In verse 13, he changed his behavior, it says, and feigned himself mad at their hands. He scrabbled on the doors of the gate, spit came falling down his beard, and he looked like a madman. You know, that's exactly what happens to people when they slip into fear into unbelief they get over into the flesh and they start acting incorrectly they start assessing situations incorrectly 
Here he was in the place of hearing God, the place where you rehearse your victories, and now he's acting all crazy because he, he went from the spirit to the flesh. So now watch what happens. So now he acts as a madman, and, and now he's running again for his life. In 1 Samuel 22, we're going to end with this. And finally, it dawns on David. I need to rehearse my victories. So he goes and he escapes to the cave of Abdullam. See, rather than going back to where the giant problem was birthed, see, if you look back at 2020, don't go back to Gath. Don't go back to the place of your giant problems and the place of all your struggles. That's what David did. He went to the cave of Abdullam. 1 Samuel 22.1, David therefore departed and escaped to the cave Abdullam. Do you know where the cave Abdullam was, according to archaeologists? It was in the valley of Elah. Remember 1 Samuel 17? The very place where David took out Goliath. Now, he finally is rehearsing his victories. He's back in his spirit. And what does God do? God sends him the mighty men that came to him that was for his destiny. When he got in the spirit, stayed in the spirit, not only did he have victory, but God gave those alongside of him that would help him to have victory. How many got it? All right, are you ready for 2021? You will see. Did y'all get that or did I just rabbit trail? All right, go ahead and stand to your feet. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope I didn't overwhelm you. So I wanted to give you some meat. I want to give you some thought. I want to give you some things to think about. Hallelujah. How many are ready for victory? Just put your hand on your heart for a moment and just say, Lord, this is the greatest year yet. And I am excited for 2021, the year of victory. So, Lord, from this moment forward, I will use my tongue right. I'll speak right. I'll talk right. And I'll speak in tongues. And I'm going to rehearse my victories. Because I will see, not only in this nation, but over my life and all that concerns it, I will see your hand. I will see your goodness. I will have my cave of Adullam. I will have my place where I'll celebrate my victories in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're in here before I end, and maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart or those of you that are on, online. I want us just to pray this prayer together. Pastor Doug and Eileen will be up here if you want to talk to them also. But I just want to pray with you for a moment. Let's just say this together and mean it in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Jesus, I call upon you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And I will serve you from this moment forward. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know how we can be a blessing to you. We're here to help you online. And those of you also in person, Pastor Doug is available to help you if you need it or if you need prayer for something. Listen, God said to us, we were talking yesterday, we're going to start opening the altars again, opening up the Connect Center, opening up the shop. And um, it's time. Amen? All right. Well, why don't you do this? Give somebody a high 2021. And you're dismissed, and we love you. We'll see you on Flashpoint Wednesday Night Live right here at Lord of Hosts Church. God bless you.